Uh, so Shane, have uh, Kevin and I ever told you about the greatest uh, six-year-old stand-up set ever? Oh no, but please do. It was amazing. It was truly amazing. It was pretty great. Um, so, a little background uh, for her birthday last year. Uh, Kevin's lovely daughter received a little pink PA and amplifier, and it was a it's a grandparents' gift. Your grandparents like like to give the parents uh, or the you know the grandkids gifts that can be loud and can be used over and over again. And yeah. so, yeah, essentially, my kid has a microphone. Yeah, in so the house stuff that'll you know have the, have the parents uh, shaking their fists at the grandparents. Uh, anyhow, so you know Kevin's daughter gets up and does a couple of bars or twinkle twinkle little star. Everybody politely claps. It was a moving moment, and then this is after a, you know this is after a full you know the Thanksgiving meal and whatever, and so everybody's, yeah, and everybody's just had a little around. wine or whatever. We're watching football, and anyway, um, what's his name, Kevin? Um, uh, his name is Grayson. Grayson, Grayson, and he's six year. He's kind of like a. It's like a CPA trapped in a six year old's body. Like he's I not believe, particularly funny. I believe the term uh, I heard was sober as a judge. Uh, typically, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a very he's, a somber. He's Kevin's wife's sister's son. Yes. So anyway, he gets up and he's he's ready to tell some jokes. So he gets on the mic and. Uh, First one he he does is the classic uh, Pete and repeat. You know, I'd, I'd heard like sort of going to the store or whatever, but he had a little twist on it. It's like Pete and repeat are in a boat. Uh, repeat falls out. Who's left? And we're all like, well, Grayson, that's that would be Pete. And uh, he's like, oh wait, 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 hang on, hang on. <laughs> he goes, all right, Pete and repeat are in a boat. Pete falls out. Who's left? And we go repeat. And he goes. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. By this, by this point, Ryan is laughing so hard that I think we're going to have to take him to the hospital. Yeah. And, no, so, and Grayson, is un, like he's kind of figured out that he's not quite sticking the landing, but he's still getting a good reaction well, he, from the he's crowd. He's killing. He just doesn't know why. Yeah. yeah. And so then he, so he switches the joke up again. He's like, Pete and repeat are in a boat. Repeat falls out. Who's left? And somebody goes, "Well, Pete." And he's like, "Uh huh." <laughs> and so this Did went on. Like, film this? Yeah, uh, no, I wish to God we had. We were, by this time there's wine involved. Yeah, and what was the, the other one that he said? Because uh, hang on. Oh, it was uh, knock knock. Who's there? The interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. Who? Moo. <laughs> <laughs> And the, the set kind of went on like that. It was like if he had intended to bomb, like it was the kind of you could never do that set as a forty-year-old. Yeah, like you'd no. just die on the vine. But as a six-year-old with no appreciation for comedy, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know. It, it sounds it, like some Andy Kaufman. It, shit it was fucking dot eyes. Yeah, it was like, pretty great. Get that kid a fucking age. <laughs> well, and I think yeah. some of it is like some of it is is uh, in the bloodlines. His older sister, when she was that age, used to tell absurd knock-knock jokes that were like. You know, knock knock. Who's there? Who's there? Uh, she's like door, and you'd be like door who, and she'd be like orange. <laughs> and people are like, I don't know what the fuck that was, but tell me another one. So <laughs> anyway, but yeah, it's a good time was had by all, and I think he's off the circuit now. Sadly, well, that's too bad. Uh, so we should probably introduce today's show, which. Uh, I would like to say that I picked. Um, are you oh proud yeah, of that? before well well. Do we yeah. want to get into it, or do we want to play the theme music? Let's play some theme music. This is Somebody Likes It. Somebody 
Welcome to Somebody Likes It, and this week, Ryan's Choice. So, it's Ryan, true, why don't you true. take us in? Uh, so, I chose for this week's selection, um, really only for one reason, and it'll soon become apparent, but I chose High Notes by Hank Williams Jr. Um, yes. Not typically the sweet spot of my um, uh, musical oeuvre, uh, but as I when we were uh, contemplating uh, beginning this podcast... Uh, uh, Shane had the bright idea to have each of us go off and, and write down a bunch of records that um, that we'd like to perhaps cover. So I, you know, had a few beers and sat down. And as I was uh, worming away, my way through the internet, I noticed that uh, good old Hank Williams Jr., aka Bo Cephas, uh, has a cover of Norwegian Wood by the Beatles. Yeah, when you sent me the list, uh, I loved how <clears throat> accepting this album. Everyone, you had the artist, and then you had the album, and then like you just flipped your shit on this when you were like, "Did you know that there's a there's a Hank Williams Jr. album with the, with Norwegian wood on it?" Like you didn't even go, to, you didn't even bother to go find out what it was called. You were just so excited about that fact. <laughs> so yeah, so it's true. And and I my curiosity was piqued, and and basically the die was cast at that point. Um, I I think it's fair to say this is a departure from other records that we've covered. I think that would be safe to say. Well, this is going to be the first country one, right? Uh, yeehaw. Goddamn right, man. Yeah. Well, I'd like to say I'm, I'm looking at the cover right now, and this is how I knew I was going to enjoy this one. He's got – he's wearing, I, I think, a, a satin windbreaker. It, it, it strongly resembles um, sm- sm- the Bandit's. Uh, jacket, uh, Burt Yeah, it looks jacket. like some oh, sort of like racing, like you'd be in a car driving really fast. He's got a big, big yeah. ass shit eating grin on his face, and then off just in the distance, randomly, but it has to be there on purpose. There's a private jet. Yeah, yeah. and it's just on a desk. It's, like, it's, it's like, on I'm a good old boy, but I'm rich. Yeah, and yeah. none of this makes any sense, by the way, because it says original classic hits, volume eight. There are there's no volume one through seven. I don't know <laughs> if they're talking about his first. Uh, this is his ninth overall album. Oh, it's his eighth album. Okay, so, I'm guessing that's what that means. But yeah, yeah it, but it makes no. And then also, um, it makes it sound like as though it were you know high notes. Makes it sort of sound like it's a, it's a greatest hits. But that same year, he released Hank Williams Jr.'s Greatest Hits, and uh, and none of these songs are on that. And none of these songs. A lot of these songs. This is the first album that they it's just all really confusing to me well and i think it would be fair to say that uh hank williams jr at this point in his career was uh prolific um yeah no man put out a shit ton of records like there were yeah like two a year yeah for a while for a while you know and some of them arguably like there's some covers on here and there's you know uh, even exempting you know he covers one of his dad's tracks too mm-hmm. so you know he's not he wasn't penning the whole thing or uh, or performing the whole thing that was all his own original material. But um, anyway, it was. Uh, I will say that uh, much like Shane had said on a uh, on with uh, the Courtney Love record, I waited the longest to listen to this one. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, because once it gets in there, you're like. God knows if, like, one night I'm going to be trying to go to sleep, and I was like, that motherfucker won't get out of my head. Like, so hopefully that won't be the case. Well, you lucked out because these are some some pretty, not shitty songs. Well, no, I mean, they're just a little forgettable. Yeah, they're say. forgettable. That's a good way to put it. Uh, I mean, completely forgettable. And this is well, two things. I'm so, hoping they're uh, forgettable. Uh, 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 well, the only, 
the only one that well I will get to that in a second. Uh, two things that I want to say real quick. Um, so I'm on their uh, on the Wikipedia page for this album, um, comparing it to to Hole that you just brought up. If you go off to the lower right hand side of the page, it'll show reviews of the album, like which publication and reviewed it and, and, and how many stars they gave it. And with, with Live Through This, they're like multiple, 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 and they're all really good. This has got one, and it's two stars. And then the, <laughs> there's nothing on the page. It basically just has the track listing, perfunctory information about who Hank, what this record is, and then the chart performances, and that's it. And that just sums up this album to me in a nutshell. It's not even 30 fucking minutes long. It is some lazy-ass shit. No, it's really lazy. And the thing that I actually went back and um, I found, like, I don't know if this was originally, like, some microfish, like, old library-type bullshit, but I found an old copy of Billboard magazine from, like, right after this record came out, and the, and it was, like... It just got this sort of cursory mention in the country and western section, but the thing that I actually found most interesting was that there was a Nashville ad agency or like a publicity company that had a picture of a holster with a phone in it because they you nice. know I was, I was yeah. like oh, I was that, like yeah, that's, that's the era that we're talking about here. That's perfect. Yeah. It it um here one one thing to say about this is that um this is—I don't know if this denotes quality or not—but this album, it, it did go, it went gold. But well, and it hit number three on the the country album chart. Yeah, um, but what what I'm saying is, it, it was certified gold. But the next album he released that same year is his highest selling album of all time, and it went over five <clears throat> times platinum. So. I don't know if that says anything. I mean, granted, it was a greatest hits, and people knew those songs. But I mean, if if that album sells five million and the one before it only sells five hundred thousand, I think that says a little bit about the quality of songwriting on it. You know, a buddy of mine when I was in high school actually had that greatest hits record, so I've actually listened to that of my own volition. Country um, boy can't survive. Had you? Hey, you know what? I loved that song when I was in third grade. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's got one of the greatest lines in, in music ever, and that is, uh, um, I'd like to spit some beech nut in that dude's eye. <laughs> That's pretty great. Yeah, it's amazing. Hey, man, he can skin a buck. He can run a trot line. Country <laughs> boy can survive. Well, and you were you were a fisherman when you were young. Well, and so, I, I don't, like, Kevin, I I don't know if you remember this, that. but there was a period, it was right around when I was in third grade, where for about a year, I guess similar to like my religious year or whatever, uh, but for about a year, I, all I listened to was like country music, and that song came out during that period. Yeah, and so I remember. And this is you like you know how when you're a kid you have all these oddball ideas about what you want to be when you grow up. You know, one, one year it's fireman, one year it's you know policeman, another year it's or, older. Know, yeah, whatever it is. For while during this phase, my uh, career choice that I thought what I thought I wanted to be when I grew up was like mountain man. Trapper, <laughs> yeah, like just nice. just living out in the wilds, eating a lot of jerky. And, did, yeah. did, did you, <laughs> you the good part? You were you were. Uh, I mean, without being all Grizzly Adams and shit, you were uh, sort of of nature a lot. I, I was a for a while. Yeah, yeah. Then I found the indoors later on. Yeah, that's where they nah. keep the women. Yes, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the best part about this record, I've got to say, um, is uh, you know what? I'll say one of the titles, and then why don't, why don't we listen? To that song, it kind of kind of set the tone. Yeah, yeah. I mean the first the first yeah the, the first uh, song on this record, 
um, kind of kind of gives you a, an idea. Uh, it's, it's well, they a, cover all the bases. It sets the tenor. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, if, if heaven ain't a lot like Dixie. All right, let's give let's it a spin. Up here it is. If heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I don't wanna go. If heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I just as soon stay home. Chosen few to be born in Alabama. I'm just like my daddy's son. I'm proud of who I am. I went through a lot of good women. Shook old Jim Bean's hand. If I never see the pearly gates, I've walked through the promised land. If heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I don't wanna go. Heaven ain't a lot like Dixie. No, 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 no. We just heard that. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, apologize. Well, yes, it was, yes, it was so. like he was in here. He was here in the room. I know. I channel him, right? <laughs> you take that shit. Whatever. You were my bro, Cephas. <laughs> nice. Yeah, have you been waiting all week to say I, that? I, that might even be noise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's kind of gross, actually. But whatever. You're going to have to grow a thicker beard. And, but uh, for those wait. of you following along at home, uh, evidently, uh, you know, Mr. Hank Williams Jr., one would think that, you know, him being an upright American God-fearing citizen, that uh, he believes in an afterlife. But if it's not much like the Deep South... Fuck it. Yeah, dude. Sorry, man. Lake of Fire. Send me there. What, what were you yeah, saying during the break? Uh, you know, he's done a lot of hell raising. He's done time. quite a bit of hell raising in his time, so, you know, it could go either way. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you just indiscriminately uh, slip in and out. Well, of I'm, I'm wondering if we should do the rest of the podcast in a Southern accent. It just oh. only seems appropriate. I uh, might punch <laughs> you in the face. <laughs> All right. I, yeah, this we'll go out to McDonald's later. I'm going to need more of the chalice. But yes. uh, Kevin, you had some points. Well, you're the only one with the chalice believe, today, by the way. It's yeah, true. well, that's all right. It's still early, but um, yeah, no, I. Uh, well, one thing is, uh, first time that I heard this track, I actually thought maybe that it said, uh, "If Kevin ain't a lot like Dixie," and I thought, you that, "Blown speaker wire." What's uh, yeah, going on? I know. Yeah, <laughs> I was listening to it on my old boombox. Uh, yeah, I wish <laughs> you know it had said that because I would want to know who the Kevin he was singing about. Well, is. yeah, that makes a lot less sense, really. But if it Kevin's does. not a lot like Dixie, and was he was he talking about like designing women like was Dixie he, Carter? Was he that, confused? Like, yeah. What? I don't know. Yeah, it's he didn't to want say. to go see Kevin unless he's a lot like Dixie. Carter. No, and I think well, and that's a it's a fair point. Well, yeah, um, I did I did make a list which I won't share all of you uh, all of uh, this list with you guys right now, but I'll but I just I'll give you a taste of it. It's called Things Thanks to High Notes I Now Know About Hank Williams Jr. Uh, one of those we've already talked about, uh, if heaven isn't similar to southern parts of the United States, and specifically Nashville, then Hank Williams Jr. isn't particularly interested, comma, in heaven. Yeah, eternal salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, you know, there are lots of things. Uh, one song that uh, that we have not covered yet, and I actually think maybe it would make more sense if Shane goes through a track listing before we oh, before we cover some of this stuff. The, Do you have it handy? Uh, honestly, the track listing is is fucking comedy gold, and it also I think it's honestly the most by far the most entertaining part about this album because 
Well, I mean, there's a lot. There's a there's a tradition in country music of of taking a turn of phrase and then building a song around that said turn of phrase. More than a tradition. Tech redneck. Yeah. Is it is it true that it actually? Is it true that it actually takes about the same amount of time to read the track listings as it does to play the entire record? It's twenty nine point twelve. So close. Minutes, twelve yeah. seconds. Yeah, pretty close. Speak slowly. It, it's yeah. as fucking yeah. lazy as he gets. Let me explain this to you right here. Um, the second track on the album, he's covering. Uh, okay, all of these songs, he's covering all the bases, um, but to, to reach his demographic, to reach his demographic, to basically do. To, to, it's as perfunctory as you can get. The second track on here is Heaven Lovers, Dixie Lovers, Alcohol Lovers. The second track is Whiskey on Ice, which is about as simplistic as you can make it, yeah. and and still, I mean, there's which there's is no, the second song in a row to mention Jim Beam. I should point well, out. Oh, my favorite by, by name. My my favorite line in the in the first song if Heaven if Kevin ain't a lot like Dixie is he. <laughs> He he shook old Jim Bean's hand. I guess we we all know what he's talking. He didn't actually shake his hand. He, he's referring he, he to he drank his... a bunch of Jim Bean exactly. whiskey yeah. bourbon. Yeah. Um, yes. Okay. The the third song is high and pressurized, which we'll get to because that's that's my that's the, my bizarre pick for this one. I can't change my tune again. As lazy as you can get. I mean, we all know what he's alluding to in in that title, but you can't even have it's. There's no clever turn of phrase. The well, sound's gonna rattle again. Yeah. Uh, ain't making no headlines in parentheses here without you. Um, here we go. Number seven. Same thing. Try a little harder. I've been down. And number eight. Uh, if you want to get to heaven, and then we're gonna round it out with the two covers. One of which being Norwegian Wood. This bird has flown. By two uh, relatively unknown songwriters at the time, John Lennon <laughs> and Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, yes. Uh, and Honky Tonkin. Well, I'm just glad he was able to give a little exposure to uh, the Lennon-McCartney team because they were you know, having a rough go of it. You he know, does have that legacy. Hank, Hank Williams yeah. Jr. came along and you know, cracked it wide open. You know, I've never really thought about it that way before, but you're right. Thanks, Hank. <laughs> well, all of this is... Pretty special. <laughs> Again, you're trying as hard as Hank Williams is to come up with a clever turn yeah. of phrase. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I think when you when you listen to this record all the way through, as I have managed to do against my sanity, <laughs> better judgment. Yes. Yeah, and all that. It's one of the things that struck me right away is like, I mean, let's be honest. Like, the man is not really a vocalist. Like I think that's fair to say. Like, well, he, you know, it's sort of uh, sung spoken, but he's got a rich baritone. I, I I'm not going to well, fault him let me, too you, much on that. Let front. me let me put it this way. Years ago, and I guess everybody has their own taste, and so that's that's fair to uh, that's, thought, that's for, a fair caveat. I thought you for some reason were going to say everybody's got their own Hank Williams Jr. story. That's everybody <laughs> does. That's yeah. what I thought you were going well, with shit, everybody's man. got their own Hank now, Williams now, Jr. story. Now, everybody's got their own opinion of what Hank Williams Jr. means to them. Yeah. It's, it's like gumbo, you know. Everybody makes it a little different. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> so, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, this this story's really going to be shit for you now. Um, so yeah, now I, I what I was going to say is years ago, um, a friend of mine opined about something that has has kind of stuck with me and it was the context was a lot different but i but i think um it's kind of like the difference in the like talking about the difference between movies and films you can also talk about the difference between singers and vocalists like i like and mm-hmm. so and i think that hank williams is one and he's not the other 
that's my that's my personal take. And I think there are times when he sounds like he's right in his range and his wheelhouse. And I don't just necessarily just mean like what he can actually like the notes he can actually reach, mm-hmm. but also like where it sounds like his type of voice is actually appropriate. Well, Ryan's. I mean, he does have a a rich baritone. That's the first thing that comes came to mind when you in my mind when when you were saying that earlier. But some of that, it's not just in his wheelhouse. Some of it is an affect, for sure. If you go back and listen to A Country Boy Can't Survive, which was on the subsequent album, uh, Greatest Hits. I, I'm, I think it was on the album before for the first time. But, I mean, part of that is is what Ryan was saying. It's it's sort of sung, sort of spoken. I mean, that's an affect, for sure. He's doing that on purpose. Right. Yeah, so he's not George Jones singing. Um, but I think some of that is... Because, you know, he started out... When he started out, he was basically... Um, he was uh, aping his father's act. Well, he wasn't um, just aping his father's act. He started out as an impersonator. His mom had yeah. him doing all of Hank Williams' songs. So, And Hank Williams, I mean, nobody's going to accuse him of being a slouch in the vocal department. He's sure. definitely got a, a reedy, um, much higher voice than, than Hank Williams Jr. And, and maybe, actually, that, that Jr., since he could sound so close to his dad, maybe that, that low baritone was his... His way of uh, drawing a line in the sand and going stepping over it, right? Yeah. yeah, he fired his mom at some point, took charge of his career, and started doing, you know, the all all my rowdy friends are settling down. Well, and some of that songs. I think, but though, is also indicative of the of that time in country music. Like he specifically name checks all the outlaw like mm-hmm. country guys. And I've been to the Country Music Hall of Fame in Nashville, which if if, if any of you ever get a chance to go, like it's really great. It's really great. Um, they do a terrific job, but there's a like teeny tiny like sliver of it that is related to outlaw country music, and it's clearly like that's where the establishment is, and then they can't ignore it because Willie and Waylon and it sold more sure, records sure. than any other faction of country music yeah. in the late seven, yeah, from the mid seventies to the yeah, sure, yeah, but but it's interesting, and I do think that like it is, it's a Hank Williams trick. To uh, to name check some of those guys, which he also does in this record. Oh we'll yeah, talk about that that guy is a an establishment Republican. Yeah, it, it's all a farce. It's completely an act. Well, he it, he seems to like be constantly branding himself. You know, this is what I am. I do this. This is what I like. Yeah, I like to drink. I like to raise hell. Not really sure what, yeah, exactly what that entails. There's not a lot of subtlety. Well, and when yeah. we were talking about it before, that was the thing that I, that I mentioned. To you guys, which is that, like, much like when Ryan talked about how the Beastie Boys are always screaming at you, like, don't just quit yelling at me. I feel mm-hmm. like that's kind of what he does here. Like, I like this. I don't like that. Here's this other thing. Also, this. Like, it's kind of like yeah. that. Like, yeah. And if you had any doubt, more of this. Yeah. <laughs> and Jim Beam. <laughs> just realized what word I've been searching for. Uh, there's the Conquistador? Lack- Elegant? Thank you both. I'm, I'm going to file those away for future reference. No, Im- imagination. There's a lack of imagination. There's there's a complete. It, you know, he's hitting all the bases here. If you read the titles again, the titles, the ones that are good are the most important. Are important. The most amusing part of this. The most entertaining part of this album. But I mean, there's a, such a lack. Whiskey on ice. Okay, we get what you're. What that song is going to be about. But make it stand out. In some way, you know, he goes on to say in the in the song, "I like my whiskey on ice. I like my women on fire." Oh, 
Okay, and that's essentially yeah. all he fucking says. Well, and if you break that down scientifically, all right, if the women are on fire and you have your whiskey on ice and you're like, oh, I should put her out, and you pour that out on her, that's alcohol. She might still burn. She, so I'm just true. saying. She probably will burn. She probably will I was, I was just will thinking burn. how great it would be if actually he was like a really complex songwriter and like his management team had to like bring him back to the reservation. Like, like, no, no, let's, let's bring that down. Sort of like the, That's uh, not really what we're going for. Like Phil Hartman, Reagan <laughs> thing on SNL. Where he's oh yeah. Like yeah. Where he, yeah, he acts like an idiot in public and then yeah, they okay. close the door. And he's like, yeah. I thought you were going to say, um, I, I guess I'm just reading in what you guys are saying today before you say it. Like my brain is working really fast. Uh, I thought you were going to say, if he were a um, a really complex songwriter, but it was so complex, it was like a like a Zen Buddhism kind of thing, and we just we just didn't get it. <laughs> we, yeah we can we had to still grasp we, we had some higher level minds. shit right here yeah because yeah. clearly on Hank Williams Junior Week it's gonna be a lot about Zen Buddhism <laughs> yeah. you never fucking know man the guy recorded Norwegian Wood uh, Ryan since you picked this one. Um, would you like to you say a few words about it or say a few yeah. words about some specific tracks? Uh, well, okay. Um, you know, I think the next one that I definitely want to get into, um, and it's a little bit nostalgic for me um, for reasons that are soon to become apparent, is uh, I've Been Down, which, again, perfunctory song title. I mean, it's as best. lazy as you can get. Yeah. Um, but, man, I was kind of sold as soon as I, I heard um, – Blew my last $20 on an Oilers football game. That's the um, opening line of the song. Kevin, yeah. did you have a note about this yeah, one? Yeah, I do have a note about this one. Um, Hank Williams Jr. lost a bet on a Houston on the Houston Oilers. Betting on the Houston Oilers is probably his first mistake there. I say that as somebody who grew up rooting for that team. As, as did I. Uh, also, Hank Williams Jr. didn't care for Reaganomics. These days, he apparently doesn't care for Obama. Perhaps he just doesn't like presidents. It's a flip-flopper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. On, on, on the Hank, on the Hank re- real quick, I, w- I want to read something. Um, uh, okay. Talking about how he was a he he's been uh, politically involved with the Republican Party for the 2000 election he, he redid his song We Are Young Country to This Is Bush Cheney Country again a brilliantly imaginative oh line. yeah absolutely um, flip the script he, there he uh, he 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 um, in, in 2008 at a rally in Virginia Beach for Republican presidential nominee John McCain he performed what originally was a family tradition which is a, a song about it. A- actually you know what that song is a brilliant song it is I like a tradition brilliant song. Is brilliant. and and yeah like, well don't and don't, that, don't lose your experience. don't that, lose your train of thought no, but but I but I do want to mention like something that Shane and I had touched on last week is that listening to this record all it did was put like other better Hank Williams Jr songs in my head where I'd be like thinking about them as I went through my week rather than any of the rote you know Boring shit on this one. Yeah, but it, it's so boring. <laughs> Anyhow, it's uh, okay. really it's really like Hank Williams Jr. light compared to yeah, it's Hank Williams Jr. paints by numbers. Yeah, and then okay, so he um he when he played at that rally in Virginia Beach, he he changed his song originally. It was a family tradition to the imagine very imaginatively titled McCain Palin tradition. <laughs> The main McCain Palin tradition. One, one other, one other thing I want to say real quick. We, we were talking about, because we're, you're going to get back on this and talk about his his, his hatred of Reaganomics or whatever. He's talking about, um, and I don't want to talk politics too much. It, this is just it's so in, all of a sudden he's talk he's comparing um, 
the president and and the and the the house speaker playing golf to Hitler playing golf with Netanyahu, and and then he said something else, and and then he starts talking about the Three Stooges. I mean, the guy, he's mixing metaphors. He's all over the map. I don't think I, – I, again, I, I was going to say I don't, I don't know how deep of a thinker. I don't, I don't know that, that uh, Hank Williams Jr. thinks things all the way through. I don't think he, before he says them in public. I don't public. think he's had to, and I don't yeah. think he's bothered to. But also like, – but, 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 but follow me here for a second. Perhaps that's falling just in line with the Zen Buddhist thinking. He's reducing things to their simplest parts that I just – you know, he, he may be uh, somebody we can all learn something from. Or he might just be like a crazy redneck. Uh, or uh, it's probably the crazy redneck s- part. But somebody with some Jim Beam connections. It's true. I wonder if they're paying him. You know, I mean, he's brought him up in two different songs. and you know, What do you, what do you want to play next? Uh, I actually want to listen to I've Been Down, and I think Shane had something he wanted to play. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. I, yeah I, but yeah, like listen to a little bit of I've Been Down, if not uh, just for the... Um, you know, little uh, nuggets of wisdom that start the song off. So let's do, you know, 30 seconds or so with I've Been Down. All right, here it is. I've Been Down. Blew my last $20 on an Oilers football game. I only lost by half a point. Nothing ever goes my way. Reaganomics and plastic people making good luck hard to find. All this stuff that's going down really got me down this time. I've been down, but not this far before. I've been kicked around, but never out the door. But not like this before. So that's a little bit of I've been down and um, evidently had, you know, Blue's last $20 on a Northern's football game. You know, and later on in this particular narrative, I would like to point out uh, that uh, he robbed a liquor store with, uh, quote, my daddy's army gun, which uh, might be a little bit of creative license. I'm not aware of uh, Hank Williams Sr. Uh, spending time in the military, but... You know. He seems like he would have been bad at it if he had been in the military. Well, he was a kind of fucked up all the time, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's skinny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. Writing sad country songs. Mm. Like that's not that's not mm. morale. Can can I just comment on this one thing? Um what a bizarre the, the song he talks about in the whole song how how well we talked earlier about how Hank Williams Jr. is a little bit confused. Um oh you know, owing to his Hatred of Reaganomics in the song and whatever else, but I want to point out one point where he's particularly confused, and that is he didn't spend his last twenty dollars betting on an Houston Oilers football game. He spent his last twenty dollars on a ticket to the football game. No, I game. think he went and he had a couple of beers, and that was it. You but know, he wasn't. He wasn't. He's not. He's. That's some. That's really not thinking things through. It's that's not like a song where he's. I like, have twenty dollars. I'm, I'm gonna. I got twenty dollars. I'm gonna. I'm gonna gamble on this game, and and then he might have lost. I'm gonna turn it around. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No. 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 He's just gonna go watch some fucking football. Do you think that that's where the Learjet was going? It may have to, been to the yeah. other game. Yeah. Yeah. 
They're like, he put he put twenty dollars worth of gas in the Learjet. I, I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say if he uh, he spent his last twenty dollars in cash in his wallet on that on that ticket. And who though? How long ago was this that a twenty that a ticket to an NFL game was twenty bucks? I mean, well, what year well, did this come out? Eighty two. Eighty two. Yeah. And the Oilers were. I can tell you because I'm old that the Oilers were terrible in nineteen eighty two. Terrible. Like was that the Oliver Luck era? Uh, might have been the Oliver Luck era. We won't delve too much into that. But I, but I will say that like this was around the time when they stay with me. They won about a, a game a year or oh, yeah. two, and uh, at a time when our mother went to an Oilers game and read a book, like because that was where she could get the most quiet. That, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so, and so you, re- you remember what would happen? We won't go down this rabbit hole too much. But you remember how what would happen like in the local community and the news and whatnot when they actually would win a game. Yeah, no, it, it was, was like, like they'd won the Super Bowl. People yeah. would be setting cars on fire. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was. Like, I can't believe it. Pandemonium. Yeah, yeah. our cats, dogs. So okay, so that actually that helps that 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 helps it make a little more sense to me now. It's, I think he went and spent his last twenty dollars and went and watched the Oilers play because he's like, I want to go see some sorry sacks of shit that have it worse than me. Oh, well, maybe. he would have been right there. Yeah. Well, and in which case, maybe he's a genius. Like I don't know. determined he might be, <laughs> well, or at least a savant. Yes, <laughs> a Buddhist, a Zen Buddhist master. So I do want to point out. I I actually went to uh, Hank William Jr.'s um, Facebook page earlier today. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and both Facebook. Either he can't remember to stay in first person because sometimes he refers to himself in the third person, or there might be someone else behind the wheel. Oh, God, I, I seriously hope he's Carl Malone and talks well, about himself in the first and second and third person all the time. Yeah. Well, no, th- those are vo- both very plausible. Um, and But speaking of, um, I, I, don't, I, I don't think that it's too far off to have him talk about himself in the third person, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, I'm going to read, read you a little bit about a song that he wrote and released. Well, I don't know that he wrote it, but um, I do know that in it, well, the name of the song is If the South Would Have Won. And in this song, um, he runs for president of the South, and I'm only assuming that he was actually elected. So if he's, if he's, if he's writing a, an alternate history, an alternate historical ballad and casting himself as the hero in his own name, I think it might be plausible that he'd, he'd slip in and out of first and third person in his Wikipedia page or <clears throat> Facebook, Facebook page. Okay, so this song is – it's a reference to a Southern victory in the Civil War. The song proposes Southern holidays honoring Elvis Presley, Leonard Skinner. Thank God Leonard Skinner finally got their own fucking uh, holiday. Well, it's long overdue. Yeah, it is. Sure. Uh, e- yes. And Patsy Cline. Hank Williams Jr. would run for president of the South. He would place the Capitol in Montgomery, Alabama, honoring his father Hank Williams Sr. with his image on the $100 bill. He also implies that in the current United States, drug dealers are not prosecuted and killers get off free and calls for swift executions instead. So if you're dealing a little bit of pot on the corner, President Hank Williams Jr., he's, he wants lethal injection. Execution. Yep. Which makes complete sense. Did you which, think? which might be a little bit of hypo- uh, hypocrisy. I almost said hypocrisy, which would actually it'd be high. Because by his own admission, the the gentleman has enjoyed his uh, share of, shall we say, recreational pharmaceuticals. Well, sure. Uh, One of the notes that I have here uh, uh, makes note of the fact that Hank Williams Jr. is keen on keeping his mind on you, comma, lady, 
Although all of this marijuana apparently obtained from Acapulco makes that tough sometimes. Still, he perseveres. That guy, he slid down a mountain at one point or some it's shit? It's true. Well, yeah, and they made a, a – uh, and I haven't done my research, so forgive me. But I, What? If I, if you I know why you didn't do your research? Because I'm going to guess. Kevin, can you back me up here? There is none. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to find. Yeah. Well, here's, really. here's my recollection. Um, You've reached the in, end of the internet. In the 80s, there was uh, a movie of the week on one of the big three networks when – you know, Cable was a baby, um, about Mr. Williams Jr., and uh, the gentleman who played him was none other than uh, John Boy from the Waltons. All right. Uh, what was his name? Something Harris. Uh, Richard uh, Harris. Richard Harris. Wait, no, it's not Richard Harris. No, Richard Harris Richard is an old English. Richard Harris. <laughs> well, it's Richard something. Anybody. I think it'd be better if it was Richard Harris. <laughs> if one of, oh, my yeah. God. Would it be better? <laughs> <laughs> it is Richard something. Richard. Uh, yeah, we'll have to mm. look that up. But anyway. Go ahead. Tell, tell the story. And Richard we'll... Thomas. Richard Thomas. Thomas. Yes. Thank you. We're so close. <laughs> no, I wanted to be Richard Harris with the long white beard. <laughs> I mean, because he, they it would was, at least both was, have beards. Sir Ian McKellen. Yes. <laughs> Those guys are incredibly alike. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, that I just recall uh, being a kid and um, you know the the big you know first act. Uh, event was where he falls down the mountain and apparently it messed up his face so much that he had to grow a beard. Well, right. And that is like, that actually shows up as part of his narrative. Like it's almost part of his bio uh, mm-hmm. that that is like, that's what became of his, like, that's why his look is his look. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, I think one of the things that we've kind of touched on is a little bit of his sound came out of that, uh, that outlaw, era and so i think by virtue of the fact that he was actually singing to a mostly pretty conservative audience but at the same time had to seem like he was a rebel like you do a lot of fence straddling if that's your position well it's true like i'd like to get fucked up but let's lock away these drug dealers yeah kind of right yeah Yeah. i don't don't think he thinks that far ahead i mean we're talking about i mean and granted you've mentioned it a few times about the uh, the outlaw country illusions granted that makes sense he's he's got you know, slightly long hair compared to most country singers at the time. He's got a beard, even though it's, it's dangerous. It's his version yeah, of being dangerous. Mm. But 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 I keep I keep circling back to the fact that like just off in the corner, you're supposed to notice it. I mean, it's definitely in focus. Is that fucking Learjet in the background on right. the cover of this album? You know, I, I'll I'll step onto I'll hold onto your coattails for a little bit, but um, but I'm definitely I want everybody to know like. Well, it's no, it's just a little bit uh, rap video of him to do. It is. To do it's that. the 1982 My, country version of the pool party. Yeah, hip hop pool know, party. God, I wish Hank Williams Jr. would have put out a novelty rap song. <laughs> well, there's still time. And dude, right, I, we, should, uh, we should we should start a, a, which a, a letter me, writing campaign. Like you guys, Maybe. like because yeah. I, I keep thinking of this, and this is definite sidebar. But for a future, uh, a few minutes with, I want to do wham rap. Which I don't know if. Oh you my guys god! No remember. idea what that is. Well, the band Wham did, oh, a, rap, I, I did a rap song. Yeah, <clears throat> and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you right, want some real authentic hip hop? Go to yeah, George. Yeah, let's not go way down the rabbit yeah. hole on that because that's that sounds like amazing yeah. comedy. Uh, okay, let's I, bottle it. I want to talk about this for a second. Um, my there was I, I keep talking over and over again about how 
and I mean every word of what I said about how lazy and unorig- unimaginative this album is. However, there's one song on here that genuinely baffled me. Um, Was it Norwegian Wood? No, oh, no, no, no. That, it's high and pressurized. It's high and pressurized, and I'll, and I'll <laughs> yeah. explain to you. Um, oh, this. Well, I think he's doing a little double entendre here. That's his. This is his. Like, well, th- no, 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 no. There's, a, there's, a, there, there's quite a few entendres, as it were. See, when I first heard the song, it took me. I, I had to go and read the lyrics before I really got what it's about. When I first heard the song, well, okay, I was writing a note. I was like, all the bases covered, alcohol, truck driving, the South. Tires, because I thought he was talking because he starts out the song talking about being in a in, in a bus and driving around, and I thought the whole fucking song, um, and I was confused, so I listened to it multiple times. Well, there um, are multiple layers. So. You're welcome, by yeah. the way. Yeah, sure. Um, and I thought I thought he was. I, thought, I swear <laughs> to God, until I until I pulled up the lyrics tonight, sitting here in the garage, I thought the song was about keeping your tires. Uh, high pressure, properly inflated, yeah. properly yeah. inflated. I did it just, because it made sense because that would be that would be tangentially or not tangentially. Um, it would be related to truck driving. And uh, and a reminder, everybody be safe out there. Like, well, yeah, that's kind of his yeah. mo. Is is you know like practical uh, lessons for good living. True. Um, yes. Yeah. Anyway, so then I went ahead and I read the the lyrics, and he's and he's. Why don't you lay some on us? Okay. Oh, and this is the one song that I, bl- if I'm correct, he wrote with his eyes closed. Oh no, he didn't write it by himself. But it's the only one on this record. He's listed as the first writer, so he's he's the principal writer on this song. Um, is it a coincidence? It's even less imaginative than any other of the unimaginative songs. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so it starts out, it says, well, it don't take too long to get there if you're high and pressurized. It ain't very far from nowhere if you're high and pressurized. Right? So you're thinking it's your truck your truck tires. Make sure your truck tires are full. I mean, at least that's where I, I went. I don't know if that's where I would have gone first. You do a better show there if you're high and pressurized, and the only way to go there is high and pressurized. Okay, so one could also maybe read in, and you're thinking maybe he's talking about smoking a little weed. I think he definitely wants people to maybe think that. And then he goes, I used to ride in buses and I hated every mile because traveling in a Greyhound ain't ride in style. So, again, he's talking about a tour bus, but then he's talking about a Greyhound there. And I'm just like, oh, well, but now he's driving a truck. Um, but then, but then here's, the, here's the payoff, and you figure out what he's talking about in the third verse. I used to invite ladies for a grand tour of the bus, but I looked down the hallway and there'd be 15 more of us. That's just one of the problems with a hillbilly bus. But now I'm I'm a sophisticated singer now and a member of the Mile High Club. Which, by the way, that is a horrible rhyme. And now I get it. High and pressurized. High up in the air in a pressurized cabin. That's, that's, that's where right. the plane comes in on uh-huh. the fucking cover of the album. But also, Shane, he gets high. And this uh, high-flying lifestyle of uh, country music entertainer is a pressure cooker. Do you do you think that the, that that the um, the airplane on the cover is an Easter egg? Is that is that a little something? Do I think it's an Easter egg? Yeah, like in the sense uh, that he's expel. dropping he's dropping little clues, like in video games or <clears throat> TV shows. That's like for the super fans to get it, like because nobody's going to really get like. There's this song. fan fiction written about this. Yeah. No, like in the sense that if you're a Hank Williams Jr. super fan and you listen to the songs and you're like, oh, he's talking about the plane on the ca-. no, because nobody else is going to think about that. But if you're you know, like how some people leave little Easter eggs. Come on, yeah, we're on a nuggets. goddamn 
website that every <laughs> single person listening to when I say that on the site is going to know. No, what. I know what an Easter egg is. Like, so, so no, no, by the way, not on a goddamn what, like being on a website. We're on a website, right? We're, we're on a goddamn – anyway. So, um, so yeah, and obviously in, in nerd parlance, um, an Easter egg is something that is – Hidden that if you uncover it, like oh. so. Um, By the way, for those of you it, like, that, that that I'm sorry to interrupt you, for those of you that can't see this, Kevin is looking at Ryan and explaining to him. I've what an never heard is. the term. They are locked. Than, <laughs> their cases yeah. are I, locked. I'll give you a. So I'll give you an example. So, um, so without without naming companies, one of the a company that I used to work for, when they rolled out their uh, iPhone app, there was a there was a deal where if you could shake it. Like and it wasn't it didn't come with instructions that but the word mm. got around that if you shook it, it would it would do something different than the than the app would was nor like in addition to what the app was normally supposed to mm. do and so that's called an Easter egg and um, you know so it's like a viral marketing little it's a like it's a it's like a, it's a special for, bonus that you yeah. get if you like do a little bit of digging or you like you're kind of more of a fanboy yeah like, like say like, like if you were into a show like say Lost and like a few seasons down the line there was just a little reference to something that happened that only people that really knew the show or watched it would know it's just like a little thank you yeah, don't get me started on that show because I'm not talking about that show. I mean, I it's, it's just an example. It was appropriately named, is all I'm going to say, because I was fucking lost by the all end right. of that thing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so here we go. So uh, I think we're kind of getting to a place where I, I'd like my, to listen to some high pressurized. I think we should. All right, are we doing it? Let's yeah, do yeah. It. I, I want to do it. All right, high pressurized. Everybody, fasten your seatbelts. It don't take long to get there if you're high and pressurized. It ain't very far from nowhere if you're high and pressurized. And you do a better show there if you're high and pressurized. And the only way to go there is high and pressurized. Now, I used to ride in buses and I hated every mile. Cause traveling around in a Greyhound ain't riding in style. Cause the damn things always broke down and the tires would all go flat. I've always been against bussing cause bussing ain't where it's at. Don't take long to get there if you're high and pressurized. It ain't very far from nowhere if you're high and pressurized. And you'll do a better show there if you're high and pressurized. And the only way to go there is high and pressurized. So if you're wondering, that was uh, High and Pressurized by Hank Williams Jr. And one of the things that strikes me about this song, uh, Ryan, I'll throw this to you, is that I do think that this guy spends a lot of time trying to craft anthems, and I think we've mentioned a couple of times when he's succeeded. Sure, sure. But but you know, like he swings. That guy tries to get a home run every time, and I think right. this was he, like something he wanted to get in the zeitgeist. He's too. not bad in a thousand. Um, no, no, he no. <laughs> he is not swinging a miss. <laughs> <laughs> but but you pick the song. So, well, actually, right. Shane, no, pi- no, no, I picked Shane, the Shane picked the song. No, no, I found, right. I found this song to be c- c- profoundly confusing. Um, oh, how? Well, <laughs> in that, like I said, in, in once I, I I got here tonight and started reading the lyrics, I, it's, because originally when I listened to it, um, the the Mile High Club, the Mile High Club stuff. What is wrong with my mouth? The Mile High Club stuff. I didn't hear that line, and, and I, I thought the song was about truck driving. And then he's like, "You better keep tires high and pressurized." And I'm like, "Why? What the f- what the fuck?" And there's nothing. Go- there's basically there's there's four or five lines in the song that that aren't. 
get it high and pressurized. Um, which you said before, Tantra. I think I think there is a re- I think there is a there is an implicit truck driving reference in that song. Myself personally. Well, I just would like to point out something that I, I've kind of taken me taken with me as wisdom um, from right around the same era. Um, the movie Spinal Tap, and that there's a fine line between clever and stupid. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, a, that's another good accent. You're just you're on fire tonight. Yeah, I'm busting right? them out, man. It's it's again. It's a. Uh, what are you, you going to tell us? Some more uh, Billy White shoes. Billy White shoes Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. You get up uh, and knock your knees together. Now, I do think one other thing that because this record came out in 1982, it came out during an era when you could still smoke on airplanes, and so what? I mean, not maybe not all of them. But like it still sort of happened at that time. Oh yeah, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a thing. So I don't know if there was a you know Maui Airlines or whatever that this guy was oh, flying. Oh, I get where you're going. <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm saying, my friend. Well, obviously, so. you know, we all know because of because of the cover of the record that he was flying. Well, I don't think he was flying, but he was being flown around in a. Well, he, he was being flown around. That's in a what private this whole jet. song is about. Yeah. You know, I love the fact that he that he talks about uh, later on. He, he he's talking about politicians. This is many years later. He he. Uh, he says, "If you if you have two guys on on both uh, when both sides are high fiving on the ninth hole, when everybody else without a job, it makes a whole lot of us angry. Which of us, those uh, that are dro- that are flying Learjets and that write song off of their hit records about being flown to gigs in Learjets? Again, yeah, it's just his by proxy uh, role as you know spokesman for you know." You know Joe Sixpack. If he's the spokesman for Joe Sixpack, they need to go out there and, and they need to fire his fucking ass and find somebody else because he he sure doesn't sell the story very. Hey well. man, you're talking about my Bo Cephas over there. Yeah, he well. does have an amazingly, awesomely memorable nickname. Or Bo Cephas. So, so do we all know where that came from? No, tell us again. No, it was we, the we name of a ventrilo. His father gave it to him, but it was the name of a ventriloquist dummy. On I believe it was on on a country. Um, like either radio or TV like show. Grand Ole Opry thing? I, it might have been Grand Ole Opry, but uh, it's somewhere on the it's a Wikipedia page. Grand Ole Opry comedian Rod Brassfield's ventriloquist, ventriloquist dummy. dummy. Yes, uh, was apparently this like cartoonish idiot dummy uh, called Bo Cephas. And Thanks, his, Dad. Yeah, so his dad, you know, starts calling his little rugger at Bo Cephas, and well, and God knows that like they'll like kids will drive you to that sometimes. Well, and I imagine. Yeah, clearly. In Hank Williams' case, some drinking. <laughs> but, oh my God, I'm just waiting for one of these weeks when you're going to work in some some kids' album, some SpongeBob hey, SquarePants. Dude, it's early yet. What's like time? Time flies. But um, but anyway, like yeah, I do think that like maybe it's possible that that Learjet shows up because uh, he's secretly a pilot. Yeah, you may be reading in just a. <laughs> Just a touch. Um, yeah, he's a he's, double agent. Yes, um, he, he's got. If you go back and look on the cover here, he he doesn't have a. He's he's got he's got that shit eating grin. Like check this shit out, y'all. Yeah, hey I man. Would, I'd like to add another a plane uh, behind me. That's mine. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to add another random uh, Hank Williams Jr. insight that I learned from listening to this record. Um, let's see here. Uh, well, we've talked about the fact that he does prefer uh, air travel, often as opposed to buses. I've never we didn't was there backlash from the bus people about this record? Uh, yeah, I think the uh, Greyhound lobby um, 
you know, push came through down some swiftly. That's right. They they put the hammer down, came through with some legislation, anti bocephus le- legislation. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we haven't talked it, about this. Is yet. there a hammer that big? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what she said, <laughs> Captain Rod. I, I do want to I want to mention this. Um, if, if for no other reason than to just say the song title out loud again, the song "The South's Gonna Rattle Again." Was written by Vince Emerson, Jody Emerson, and Wild Bill Emerson. Oh, Wild all the Emersons. Bill. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wild, they've, they've got all the Emersons. You know what? My, all I, have, I, have, I have I have fully formed Emerson Lincoln pictures Palmer, of them I believe, in my head. Of that one. <laughs> I want Wild Bill Emerson to be an Emerson. Well, Lincoln and Palmer. I do think yeah. they had to kick him out and get it. The, the, the sound of the music was going in a place they didn't really want to go. <laughs> And this is one of those deals too, right? Where like this was a big this was a big thing that happened a lot during that era where um they just name check other country song like stars and work them into the song and that becomes like part of their thing and it's Well, yeah, like, and then people listen to it like, "Oh yeah, I like that guy." Yeah. Yeah, like Ugh. the dude that did a uh, Lukenbach, Texas. He's like, "Let's go to Lukenbach, Texas with Willie and Waylon and the boy." Never met any of them. And had never been to Lukenbach, Texas. But before. he was he was a, yeah. a way of getting radio play. Tell you that way he sold a lot of damn records. Who was who was the band that did a cover of a Rolling Stone? Like I, I've literally, I, does anybody remember who did that? Uh, the the oh, song oh, cover of the, the Rolling, Rolling Stone. Stone. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's they, I like. I like our duet. They, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they literally wrote that so they would get on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine, and the fucking shit worked. Yeah. Uh, uh, where where are they now? Uh, I don't know. Shade's finding out for us right yeah, now. This, this is a great podcast. Oh, right no, 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 it totally, it, it, no. Oh, so Shane mistyped, there is still partial, there is part of the, the former search, so it came out, who played John Boy of the Rolling Stone? God, I hope you got oh, a, how many results are there? Who of the Rolling Stones would be considered John results. Boy if... <laughs> no. When I made the John Boy of the Rolling Stone, it just says of the Rolling Stone, and then it says cover of the Rolling Stone, and it looks like oh, uh, Shel Silverstein wrote the song "Doctor Hook and the Medicine Show." Did you know that Shel Silverstein also, um, or Stein? I'm not quite sure. Um, also wrote a boy named Sue. I did not know that, but and it doesn't surprise me. He had a love of the cocaine. Well, he also did uh, cartoons in Playboy. Uh, which not everyone knows. That I would love a children's I bet, author. I bet he knew. I'd love, he, he did. He, he did, did know. know. Yeah. I'd love to go back and tell. He was cashing uh, those checks. Ten-year-old Shane and Ryan, uh, whenever we're are being read some of his from where the sidewalk ends, some of those poems. The Giving and, Tree. And, yeah, in our fifth grade class. The, hey, you, you want to know some other fun stuff about Shel Silverstein? <laughs> Steen, cocaine, <laughs> cocaine, boobs. <laughs> You know, uh, nudie magazines. Of, speaking of, uh, well, I'll just say <clears throat> when I last time. Well, it's not the last time, but it, but uh, used to be uh, we would take a my wife and I would take a trip to New York about once every other year because she lived there for a little while. And this is this part's not necessarily interesting to everybody. That's true. But thank you. Uh, but. <laughs> This is my friend Shane. He's kind of a dick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, who likes lyrics now? Anyway, um, but there was supposed to be like a really great dessert restaurant that was called, uh, I think it was called, at the, 
what I remember at the time was that it was called Chocolicious, and we couldn't find a listing for it, so we just Googled it, and that's a Chocolicious. That is a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, that takes you down <laughs> so, a little. Like, that is the worst idea. Different corner of the internet than maybe you were thinking of. It was like, oh, oh no, that is, that's, nobody wins. So anyway, but we are getting back to, uh, we are. Well, I've uh, just got a couple things. I, I what wanna, else do you want to add? Uh, well, I just. I just Perfunctory, and that word keeps coming up here, but just touching bases. Um, so track eight on this 10-track, slightly under half-hour record, uh, is If You Want to Get to Heaven, which I wrote in my notes, just, and this is a quote from the the song, You've Got to Raise a Little Hell, which I'm not certain if that's a necessarily perfectly salient strategy to <laughs> find your just reward in the afterlife, but that's what... Uh, Mr. Mr. Hank Williams Jr., the advice he has for you. So if you want to get to heaven, uh, kids, you've got to raise a little hell. So I love just, how he references heaven in not one but two songs on this well, 29-minute I, I wonder if there's a lot of Jim Beam in heaven. Um, oh, yeah, he references Jim Beam quite Maybe well. Jim Beam himself is in heaven. Well, one would imagine. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, all right, are we doing that one? Uh, no, 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 no. no we're, we gotta, okay. we we're, gotta, just, we're just touching on that. Right. We haven't talked yet about... Um, well, the and reason I, why we all came to this record. Well, and and all I want to do is quickly touch on the only hit off this record was actually a cover um, of his father's "Honky Tonkin." Um, so, like you know, if you're following along at home, just imagine that song, but you know, updated for like obnoxious '80s commercial country. Um, but yes, the reason that we all came together uh, for this record was that I just could not get past the fact that. You know this this cartoonish character Hank Williams Jr. You know, took it upon himself to cover Norwegian Wood by the Beatles. So, gentlemen, thoughts? Well, I have a couple. Um, I, I I find that to be it, such an odd choice by anybody to pick. It it's got such crazy. I mean, it's John Lennon's foray into British tinged folk music. I mean, the the, the melody is. It's brilliant, obviously, but it's it's definitely a it's a little more left field than a lot of their well, and yeah, and it's like lightly psychedelic on the, at least the Beatles version. Mm-hmm. Um, what struck me that I keep thinking is kind of funny is you know the the um, uh, the parenthetical title of this is "This Bird Has Flown." Well, if you listen if you listen to or read the lyrics to this, the bird he's referring to is the chick that he was hanging out at her flat. Yeah. Like, he was hanging out at her apartment, and this bird has flown. So we've got Hank Williams Jr. sing sort of uh, British colloquialism, like, this bird has flown. So it, Well, and he also sings it in that super, just, the super low register, this bird, this has, bird flown. has flown. Well, this, yeah. that's what I was going to say about, so when I first thought about him, I mean, number one, it's just, Fucking hilarious that Hank Williams Jr. did. Well, cover I just I just like to imagine him like uh, using other British colloquialisms, like you know, you know, the queue or taking the lift or. Man, I would love to hear him order a. Pack. Hey, I'll just put that six pack in the boot. Yeah, I would love to have him uh, to hear him order a pack of fags. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, one of the things that I noticed was that he also covered. Uh, Honky Tonk Woman by the Rolling Stones, and that actually seems like a little bit less of a stretch because sure. he sings about Honky Tonk so much. Absolutely. But I, that what I imagine to be like the sort of kitten's ball of string 
on this that he followed was like, okay, well, I can do that one thing from that big British act, and so why can't I do a really delicate number from you know, Lennon and McCartney that has nothing to do with my wheelhouse? Like, and so I, I feel like that's how he ended up there, but I, but I also felt like when I listened to that song that it seemed like he was earnestly trying to get there, and it's just not... It's not yeah, he's repertoire. not able to, like, to seal the deal. No. Uh, he gave it a shot. Well, okay, so this is these were my thoughts after I listened to it. Um, I've heard before uh, a lot of people. I don't know if it's conjecture or if if Lennon actually said this, but um, the last line of the song is "So I lit a fire, isn't it good?" Norwegian wood, it's essentially um, that he's implying that he burned her house down and may have murdered her in the song. Also, like. Um, but he slows the song down and the way that he sings it makes me think that he had heard that before because he essentially turns the song into a murder ballad. I mean, that's, that's interesting. It's, it's funereal, funereal, how do you pronounce that? Funereal. Word? Funereal. Thank you very much. Funereal. Yes. yes thank you for that too. <laughs> um, and, uh, maybe that's what the Learjet was for. So he could fly. Get out of here, man. Things are on fire. Yeah, yeah, right. It's a fire <laughs> yeah. body off. I don't yeah. know. Oh, that was bad. Um, but no, but I really think, I mean, it, it, once I listened to it, I it, I had to, I listened to it a couple of times and I was like, I really think this is where he's going. I mean, it's slowed down. He's singing in a really mournful voice. It's, it's kind of, it, it's oddly menacing. I could see that. I, yeah, I see I, like I didn't necessarily mind that from it originally, but no. now that you say that, like it, it totally makes sense. I didn't mind sure. it at all. Like, in fact, yeah. earlier I was saying my my favorite song on the record. Uh, I mean, of uh, uh, the original songs on the record was "If Heaven Ain't a Lot Like Dixie," and that's that's low hanging fruit. Sure, but I really low really hanging fruit. You are on fire tonight, um, but I really didn't mind this just, cover of this song, and it, it, it's it's easily it's really 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 really, and it's already a pretty slow song, um, but it's really slowed down, and and it makes me it makes me every time I listen to it uh, made me feel like it as though he were turning it into a murder ballad. I did think that it was going to be campy, and I, did I too. and I don't necessarily think he played it that way, even if like. As as fans of the Beatles, like we we can all agree that like okay, well it's not, you know, it's not the best rendering of this song ever. Well, it's not always the greatest idea to try to cover like the best fucking band ever. Sure, uh, yeah, no, I agree. But he didn't do a bad job of it's no. Not, it's he, not he terrible. It, no, well, I can see what he's going for, and he, especially. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Shane. No, 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 no. He just he turned it on its head in a way. Like he, it, it's the only. Ironies abound, but it's 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 the only original thing that he did on the whole record. Uh, really, was take this song and the twist that he made on this song. It was really this incredibly yeah, popular song. That I'll he give covered. you that. To, yeah, to your point, it's the only it's the only real chance that he took. The rest of it is so short and so saccharine. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's Hank Williams paints by numbers. You yeah. know, Tin Pan Alley, like. Here's, yeah. here's my here's what here's I do. The, yeah, the thing I cranked out of the factory Phone, over the summer. Phoning it in. Well, and we and we talk about the fact that he that he put out two records a year for a long time and that he's been super prolific. But then you look at the fact that this clock's in his twenty nine minutes, including one song that his dad wrote that everybody knew, and one song that the Beatles wrote that was actually uh, maybe taking a legitimate chance, but still. So that means like it's really eight songs. In of six months, newish material. Yeah, of yeah. newish material, and you know, 
I love how it, I still want to go back to this one more time before we, we stop talking about this. How on, on, on the on the bottom of the album cover it says original classic hits, which it's just confusing. Yeah, it's sort of like Kevin has magnetic word poetry on his on uh, out here in the garage in the beer fridge. There's a magnetic word poetry. Those three words put together in the way that they are kind of remind me of magnetic word poetry. Oh, sure, yeah. Now I kind of wish that my wife hadn't thrown out all the all the extra. We had a whole giant trash bag full of really great words, and um, you know, now Nick for every time somebody like, told me that. Well. My point being is, I, I, we probably had to get rid of him before my my kid got old enough to read really well. So that happened. But, but I love how you still have the word "lick." That's the one word on this side. There's some in the front, but on this side that it we're just facing, says "lick." It just uh, says "lick." Yeah, that's it's like instructions. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's like an Alice in Wonderland thing. Yeah, famous last words. Anyway, I, I, will, so, I will say this, and then we'll, I, I don't, Kevin, I do want you to continue, but it just reminded me of that. I used to work with this really just bizarre but funny uh, dude at one of the many restaurants I've worked at, and he walks up to me one night and he goes, Hey, you know that, uh, that, uh, that Matt over there, you know, on the kitchen line? Tastes funny. <laughs> I was like, that really? Was, oh yeah, thanks, man. Did you follow up on that? Or did you, that's just. It was. It was. I was like, are, are you sure? He's like, yeah, it just doesn't taste right. <laughs> like, which implied that he tasted several. It was on the floor. Oh yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, so we we are we are running a little bit long, so we oughta we ought to get to. Yeah, you want to play Norwegian Wood? Let's get into some let's Norwegian Wood, and uh, yeah, then we'll wrap it up. All right, everybody, settle in. I once had a girl, or should I say, she once had So that was the ostensible murder ballad, Norwegian Wood. Um, it sounds like that to me. No, and I, I'm with you. Now that you pointed out, you know, you've kind of flipped it a little bit, and I, I now I can't not see it. I just thought it was about like IKEA stuff and. Well, really, it's about design. tire pressure. Um, it's in everything, though. Yeah, you know, if you break it all down and take enough meth. Yep. <laughs> about what? Wait, wait, wait. Tire we're, pressure? We're, oh, well, sure. Yeah. Did you say take it off? Take it off meth. Take like, take enough meth. Oh, take enough. Uh, yeah. First, you take the meth, then you break it all down. Do you remember um, when John Shop? Um, this is a, a, a friend, speaking of uh, taking meth and he's an eccentric stuff down. cat. He is an eccentric cat. When he he lived in a bathroom for a period of time, and um, he oh, uh, you should save this for for one of oh, our one okay. of our quirky right. stories. We we uh, yeah. should. Right. I I will I will tell my one 
meth story and doesn't everybody have one um no um i was at a mutual friend of ours birthday party uh i'll just say stephanie there's enough stephanie's out there shane will know who i'm talking about she wasn't imbibing in any of that but her roommate and some of her roommate's friends were and we stayed up till i don't know four or five in the morning as is my want uh, as some of you may know um and i was with bill our friend and when we went, like, I crashed on, like, the couch, and he got the love seat, and the place... Isn't that a Beck lyric? Probably. Don't, di- don't divert here. Uh, but when we, went to, when we went to sleep, went to couch, uh, the place was trashed. I mean, it looked like somebody's birthday party. You know, beer cans everywhere, like, you know, half-eaten pieces of pizza or whatever, just... just absolutely trash broken plants but keep in mind that in one of the bed- bedrooms there are a couple of meth enthusiasts <laughs> so we wake up the next day at like noon or one spotless <laughs> i mean the place was just it looked like a maid service had gone through <laughs> and it had not how, and, so is, and, is that a happy meth story like i don't know well, what no, it's like, as good as it gets when it's uh, yeah, when it a comes tale to, of meth yeah yeah uh, they are known for uh, really enjoying the cleaning process. So, you know, which it does lead me to, and I may have mentioned this, I know I've mentioned it to Kev. I don't, I don't, maybe I haven't told you guys. I do have the entrepreneurial idea of having Tweaker and Sons cleaning. Tweaker um, and Sons. Where you only hire uh, meth addicts. Because <laughs> you can knock out, you know, eight, nine uh, projects in and, a the, couple the hours. The sad part is you and can four- only hire them once. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, there would be various things missing from the house <laughs> from each of value. Home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's get well, out. So, let's wrap yeah, let's this get one up. So, one of the like, off, like, fortunately for all of us, off topic. Um, one of the things that struck me, like, circling back to the record, that uh, I thought was particularly interesting is, and we touched on this. Shane mentioned this a little while ago. Um, Hit the cover of Honky Tonkin', or maybe you did, right? Like one of the one of you guys did. But like, I thought it was interesting that he added this in. I don't. Maybe it's a country thing. Maybe it's a Robert Earl Keen thing where he puts the same song on every record, and I just don't know it. But um, yeah, what was your what was the what was the take for each of you guys on him covering his dad's track? On I this mean, one? okay, if I'm being cynical, which I oftentimes am uh, when it comes to certain musical topics you know i think it was an obvious ploy to sell some records get a radio hit you know it crank it out one yeah crank it out you know move on to the next thing you know he certainly has the license to do it you know being his father's son do you remember when um it wasn't too long after this maybe four or five years later where he did a duet here in oh, my yeah. ear with with his dad Hank Williams Senior. I uh, heard about that. Yeah, that was again a marketing ploy that sold that did quite well. You know, I think that's what we're going to be left with the legacy of Hank Williams Junior. It's it's an enigma. He's it's very enigmatic. He's a he's a mystery man because on one hand he 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 seems really obviously not that bright, but on the other hand he seems. Crazy like a fox. 
it's all true. Um, you know, he, he's like got his grand master plan. We're all just pieces on his own personal chessboard. It sort of seems like that, but then again, but 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 some <laughs> of the sh- some of the shit. <laughs> He's got his own personalized game of risk that he plays. I mean, he has inserted himself as president of the South in one of it's his true. songs. It's um, true. I this, and I'm and like I I am loath to uh, talk anything political, but I did think it was really kind of interesting that he has a he doesn't the man doesn't use Twitter anymore, but he took to it for a little while, and he. That's tweaked it. He had a disaster. he had a Shepard Fairey version of himself that like sort of based on the Obama oh, deal. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I you know I think people should sometimes people stick to what they know and sometimes they don't. And I think one of the things that's been key about Hank Williams' career and probably life is that he sort of started from a place where everybody expected him to know who he was. And he didn't know to figure that out because he had to, to his start credit, he did kind of like, just yeah. figure out his own little path or whatever, and he's he stuck to it pretty hard and fast. But uh, yeah, he he does hit all of the you know de rigueur uh, markers on this particular record. Right, it's lazy. Yeah, uh, and I, I I find it very interesting that. Um, well, it says on uh, if you read a little bit of if you dig into it a little bit how this one didn't sell anywhere near as much of as his previous or subsequent albums. So uh, again, it says a lot about how God my the, my page of notes that I was writing about this the very first one on the top of the page is lazy ass album. So what, what I was yeah. thinking is you know like by the time I, I digested this whole thing, it, my impression was that going into it, he was like, well, want to buy a boat. <laughs> he bought a plane. Now, are we talking about a bass boat or are we talking about a yacht? No, I'm talking more like a uh, pleasure cruiser. Of oh, some there sort. But he wanted yeah. to let it be known that he bought a bass boat. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, he'd, sure. he'd sing about the bass boat, but really he's buying something a little more stately. Well, and here's the thing. Here's the, here's the question. Time to would, crank one out. Would he name the bass boat? And if he named the bass boat, would the name be a country song name? No, it'd be like Bocephus 2. The Boat Cephas. Yeah. <laughs> Kids, I don't think we're going to do any better than that. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's stop with that. Oh, holy That's Boat good Cephas. One. Good yes. God. All right. All right, we've beaten this topic to death. Okay, so. Um, Next week. Next week's mine. Yay. I'm and sca- it's something I'm exactly the same. <clears throat> What's that? Something exactly the same? No, it's 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 uh yes, it's exactly the same. Ronnie James Dio, Rainbow in the Dark. Rainbow. Ronnie James Dio. Ronnie James Dio. Kevin, two weeks, what what, what what's yours? So um so I've been I've been really eager to try and tackle something that's current and it's not what we necessarily what we've been doing, but we had so much fun. Uh, wrestling with Fear Fun, which was just a couple of years old, that I thought, what if we tried to, you know, high five or or undercut or anything in between something that was new? And so um, I'm gonna let's let's take a swipe at Ty Siegel's Metamorphosis. I am down. Two weeks from now. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Okay. All right, kids. So what have we been doing? Talking about. Hank Williams Jr. High on notes. what's the show name? Somebody, Somebody likes, likes it. it. Somebody likes it. See y'all next week.